0: Log Talk Radio. Well, hello and good evening. Welcome to the Mercury Retrograde Hour, (laughs) starring John St. Germain. I thought I would never get on here, my goodness. Um, Between Blog Talk Roulette and Mercury Retrograde, uh, my computer crashed five minutes before showtime. Then I could not log on, and then I was trying to get on with my telephone, and then it turned out I was already logged on because, uh, never mind, but... We're here, and everything is up and running, and uh, thank God for that. I thought we weren't going to have a show tonight, but we will, and uh, my computer seems to be running, and we seem to be here, so why don't we get on with our show, by golly. Um, Tonight we're going to start a new series on... on, um, the myths and legends of the tarot and what we can learn from it. Uh, We're not going to do divination with it. If you want me to, I will call in and I'll I'll perform a divination with the tarot for you. Um, We are going to um, talk about some of the interesting stuff behind it. And um, there is very interesting stuff behind it. The um, um, uh, stories, intrigue. Politics, um scandal murder Yes, all kinds of stuff like that. Um and uh we will uh talk about that now, why not? But first our um um crystal is the inhydro crystal, and I don't know if you ever heard of these. Um they're very interesting. Um, and in hydrocrystal, I'm just going to jump right into the show, what the heck. And in hydrocrystal is a quartz crystal, usually, that has grown. And as it grows, it traps a bubble of air. And inside that bubble of air is water. And sometimes the minerals mix with that water to give it crystal. So you basically have a natural bottle with a hollow space with water. And that is an amazing thing. And um, a lot of these come from Tibet and have great legends and things about them. And I'll tell you that there are many, many um, different uh, types of these. Uh, it's not only just quartz, but usually, um, usually it is. And uh, sometimes you shake them up to create a, um, uh, an ionic, uh, energy with it. Um, sometimes they're agate and, uh, sometimes they're bubbles, lots of little bubbles of air. Sometimes they're little bottles, bubbles of water. And, um, so, um, sometimes these bubbles are stationary. Sometimes you'll see these, uh, Uh, crystal balls and they have little bubbles of air in them Um, now uh, a lot of them are found in China and some of them come from uh, South Africa some are in Madagascar the um, this is the purest water you will find on the planet because most of these crystals were formed during the birth throes of the universe right and many people say that this water is uh, synonymous with the elixir of life it holds the creation codes of the universe so you shake this you activate it you hold it in your hand and you meditate and many people think this gives you a direct link to the creation force itself this is why many of these are very expensive um a very powerful meditation stone it connects you with the very creation codes of the mind of God. Um, many of the claims of it, to me, seem uh, to minimize its power. Um, I've heard crystal teachers say, well, this will increase your empathy. It will create uh, increase your intuitive state, which it will. It will help you connect to other people, which it will. It will help your understanding of spiritual matters which it will but more than that this can skyrocket you to the very center of the divine mind um if you want to know about the akashic uh, records the uh, you want to know about the plan the script the uh the big picture uh this is the tuning crystal for that sort of knowledge. Um, and An hydro crystal can connect the mundane you, the worldly you, with the ideal you that exists in the divine mind. It can transform and transmit energy like all quartz can, but that energy is your energy being. So it's a very powerful stone. No need to make an elixir of it. It contains its own elixir. Very, very good stone to have. Very powerful. We are the Crystal Silence League, as uh, many of you know. And uh, the Crystal Silence League was formed around um, 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlin, a magical adept who envisioned a worldwide grid of trained magical adepts meditating and sending positive energy via the crystal. And he created a series of uh, pamphlets that he gave to members of the Crystal Silence League. When he passed into the silence, he took the Crystal Silence League with him until Adepts of Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, now known as the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, brought it back to life on the Internet. And you can find us at www.crystalsilenceleague.org. And if you go there, you'll notice we have a page whereby you can post prayer requests of your own. And we get sometimes up to 200 a week. We have also just finished editing the new Secrets of the Crystal Silence League book, from which I will be giving a presentation at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival in May. Please be there, and you will be gifted with a copy of this book free at the workshop, as well as your own personal blessed and charged quartz crystal ball. Granted, a small one, but powerful nonetheless, and I'll be leading a workshop in scrying, projecting, receiving, and healing with this ball, and you'll be able to carry it with you From that day forth to the rest of your life, we'll have other workshops too. Very good ones. I think we have like 11 or 12. And a panel discussion. It'll be a wonderful workshop. Please come to it. And the Secrets of the Crystal Silence League is an updated and expanded compilation of our two pamphlets that we have now that were written by our founder, Mr. Claude Conlon, with some additional material added. A 96-page booklet, profusely illustrated with historical documents. So why don't we go there, www.crystalsilenceleague.org, to the prayer page, and we'll get to the work. Let's start with prayer ID number 81180, who says, Dear sisters and brothers, you are the greatest. I truly appreciate all of the work and time you've given in prayer on my behalf. Yes, every single one of my prayers you have worked on so hard has had a happy resolution. Blessings to you, Sister C. Well, thank you, and we're glad your prayers have been answered. And prayer ID 81179, who says, asking to join me in a prayer warrior circle to help a good friend who is taking fentanyl. It's a very dangerous drug, and indeed it is. He's taking measures to stop, and I pray for his courage and success in overcoming this form of slavery. May all that influence him be cast out of his reach, and that his angels angels and guides be vigilant against this poison. Amen. Prayer ID uh, 81178. Please pray for miracles, healing of all the scalp issues I have been having. Please pray the health of my scalp and hair will be restored and that my hair will grow back thick and full and for relief of discomfort. Thank you. Praying your prayers are answered to. Prayer ID 81177. That C will come back. Me to apologize for hurting me and leaving me the way he did. I want to reconcile with him and be in a committed relationship and marry him. Amen. Prayer ID 81176. Please pray for my daughter, M, that she will find the answers she is seeking. Please also pray for divine guidance to surround her and to guide her on where to go from here. Here I pray she will have abundance in all areas of her life and that all her needs will be met and that she will have financial stability. Thank you for your prayers. Amen. And prayer at 81174, pray for me to be blessed with money and a financial backer so that I can rent a space in a salon. and and build up a lot of good hair clients who will like my work and pay me well so that I can have more than enough money to supply my wants and needs. Amen. Prayer ID 81172. I've been stalked for nearly a decade by a man I don't love, but who refuses to leave me alone. His name is P.D. I don't understand why he's stalking me or why he won't stop. He's destroyed my life. I pray every night that he will go away. My prayers haven't been answered. I have become very disheartened. I want this man to leave me alone. He's hired a couple who he pays to follow and harass me. I'd like them to leave me alone, too. I need protection from these awful people. Amen. Prayer ID Please help me to recover from my illnesses and let me be blessed with a financial blessing that I need to get my car altered so that I can drive again and so I can let my service dog out and not need someone to walk him please pray for me I need my independence amen Prayer ID 811 Seven zero. As of today, I am humbly asking for an abundant angel to assist me in getting an apartment. I have been unhoused for quite some time, except for in and out for most of last year and these few weeks in a hotel, staying out of the cold weather, trying real hard to set my compass in the right direction. I stop caring about what my family thinks about my situation because they're afraid to step up for me. But for anyone on their side, it's immediate. One day I will become very rich. Amen. Prayer ID 81169. My 12-year-old son attempted suicide with a bottle of Tylenol. Please heal him from suicidal thoughts and actions, no matter what the outcome of his father's trial might be or anything else. He is now in counseling to help him too. Amen. prayer ID 611 or 81167 FB and GR are not working out please remove all prayers and prayed over candle for strength closeness safety marriage love happiness travel church people that have roadblocks up against us I'm giving up just send the money my way quick fast and in a big hurry from anybody that loves me anywhere whether a check cash need a thousand dollars quick fast and in a hurry. Tomorrow, now pray hard for me and I'll send the prayers back. Amen. And prayer ID 81166. I pray that as I leave my current job, all goes well. There are no concerns regarding my work, charts, or behavior. I leave on a strong and positive note. Everything is in order and I'm commended for my work. I pray all goes well as I interact with the staff and staff supervisors i ask for protection against all negativity and peace in my heart amen and let's have a moment of silence for all those in need of prayer and comfort and support Amen. Well, tonight we're going to look at the um the li- the lessons we can learn from the tarot and many people read the tarot. And uh, my introduction to the tarot was uh, quite young. My, my family were card readers and this was back in the 60s. And um it was not as prevalent back then in East Tennessee as as you might see now. Now everybody seems to read cards and it's very interesting to me uh in the cyber world how it seems to be taken for granted that um uh there, there's sort of a free free for all style of reading and I I will tell you that um when when, when I was being taught my grandmother did Give me an old deck of cards, and she said, I want you to just look at these and see if they talk to you. And I looked at the pictures, and you know, sure enough, the pictures did say things to me. Uh, as I got older, I, I was given a lot of books to read, and among them was uh Arthur Edward Waite's book on the tarot and the Arthur Edward Waite deck. This was the one drawn by Pamela Coleman, Coleman Smith. And to this day, this remains my favorite uh, deck to read because I know it so well. I know every little bit of the pictures, and and they talk to me. And I have read with a lot of other decks, and I've studied a lot of other decks, and I know a lot about other decks, but um, this is the one I keep coming back to and probably will be the one that I talk about the most. And... It seems to be the uh, the deck that most people for whom I read are familiar. And before we dive into this discussion of the deck, I want to tell you a little bit about history. I want to tell you about a family the Visconti family, um, who, this Visconti family rose to power, um, in, uh, in Italy, in Milan. Um, they ruled from about, uh, 1270 to about 1447, although their family did hold power until the 1800s. They were lords and dukes. They had some popes. And, and, um, Many of the branches of their family exist to this day. Um, the effective founder of the Visconti family uh, was a fellow named Otone, and uh, they they were rivals of uh, of uh, everybody in in uh, in Milan and Florence and Italy, the Medici's um, and all the other families. Uh, I will tell you that um, that. This was uh, a family who had absolutely no scruples, um, and no no history of Italy is complete without um, mention of them. Um, the um, they gained ascendancy through Pope Urban the Fourth. Urban the Fourth appointed a. Otoni Visconti, Archbishop of Milan, and um, there was a power play between um, the politics of the Pope who, through Visconti, balanced the power of the ruling De La Torre family. So Otoni defeated the De La Torres um, in battle, claimed the old uh, powers of the archbishops of Milan, and gradually the power was transferred to his grandnephew, Matteo. So um, the Visconti extended this sovereignty at, at one point over most of the northern Italian cities. By this time, uh, there was a new pope, Pope uh, John XXII. And he placed Milan under interdict and went so far as to preach a crusade against the Visconti. So now there was the papal Rome against the Visconti. This is very interesting as we'll see in just a minute. Now you say, well, What does it got to do with the tarot? Quite a bit. So after uh Matteo's abdication in uh uh the early thirteen hundreds in favor of his son uh Galatio, the dynasty consolidated its power, continued to expand, uh taking over many more provinces, and uh uh, uh married with um, any rulers of other Italian cities uh, and spread their domain into France, Germany, and Savoy uh, with uh, the Huguenots, the Habsburgs, uh, and others. So um, uh, Galazio was succeeded by his son, Osso, and they finally made peace with the Pope, among other things. There's more to the Papal story. So this crisis was created when also death he had no heirs, so his uncle took over, uh, and Giovanni, who was the younger sons of Matteo, uh, were general lords. So under this uh, triumvirate, territory that was lost during the struggle against the pope was regained, and the boundaries of the state were further extended. So Gino you know, died in the middle of the 1300s. This title of Signore became hereditary. So Giovanni Visconti, who had entered the 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 ascension to papacy by becoming Archbishop of Milan, continued as Lord of Milan, and his territory was increased by annex, annexation of Bologna and Gen- Genoa. So Giovanni died, and the Visconti dominions were shared among the three nephews. Uh, Matteo II died. Uh, a fellow named uh, Bernardo and Galatio II divided Milan in the territory. This is all part of her story. Galatio II died. Bernardo contracted a military alliance with the French pri- prince, Louis of Anjo. Uh Galatio's son seized Bernardo, and he died in prison a few months later. So under Giano Galatio, the Visconti reached the greatest power, at his death in 1402, the Visconti were dukes of Milan and counts of Pavia, and the family controlled most of northern Italy. Now, there was a dark period here when uh, his elder son, Giovanni Maria, um, lost many of um, uh, Gian Galeazzo's conquests, and many of the Lombard cities reverted to local lords. Um, jo- uh, jo- uh Uh, Giovanni Maria was described by contemporary writers as incompetent, cruel, and perhaps insane. Uh, He was eventually assassinated by conspirators in 1412. Now, his brother, Filippo Maria, succeeded to the dukedom, um, gained control of the troops and territories, and gradually reconstructed the Visconti dominions. Now, apparently, he was neurotic and uh, a hypochondriac and uh, somewhat crazy, but nonetheless, he was a fairly good ruler. Now, in Milan, he reorganized the government finances and introduced the silk industry from Asia. And in 1447, when a Venetian army advanced on Milan, Filippo Maria appealed for help to his son-in-law, Francesco Sforza, husband of his only daughter, Bianca, Bianca Maria, So, Filippo Maria died uh, suddenly, and some say mysteriously, uh, leaving the duchy to be contested between Sforza and King Alfonso V of Aragon, whom Filippo Maria had designated as heir. Sforza won, and soon restored the Visconti state under his own dynasty. Visconti governmental institutions survived until the 18th century, and although the Visconti name disappeared with Bianca, Maria, Visconti blood was transmitted through the female line to the great dynasties of Europe. The Valois of France, the Habsburgs of Austria and Spain, and the two doors of England. So why do we care about uh, the Visconti? Well, because around the middle of the 15th century, playing cards were invented. And these were the first written references to cards of any kind. And in Milan, an artist named Bonifacio Bembo painted a set of uh, unnamed and unnumbered cards for the Visconti family of Milan. And these pictures comprise the classic deck of an Italian game called Tarocchi. Four suits of 14 cards each, plus 22 cards Showing different scenes, and later called *Triomphi* or in English *Triumphs* or *Trumps*, and that's why we're interested in the Visconti family of that original Tarocchi deck. Many images can be interpreted as uh, medieval social types. Uh, to give them their later names, the Pope or the Emperor. The Wheel of Fortune, some were virtues like temperance, fortitude. Others show um, religious mythological scenes, such as the dead rising from the grave at the trumpet call for the last judgment. There's even a card depicting a popular heresy, the image of a female pope, the papas. Or the popus now as for the pe- female Pope should we discuss that now or go back later because the female Pope turns up as part of the Visconti family history The female pope was later supplanted as the high priestess in later tarot decks, but definitely turns up in the Visconti deck and a few later ones. She comes up later, though. Uh, I was to you know it was Trump, too. But um, we sort of want to talk about her in terms of the, uh, the Visconti family as well, because th- there are some histories of the Visconti that – say that they put the female pope in power St. Joan as she's known Pope Joan and let's save her for later we'll save her for later so some of these figures we don't quite understand how they got there in that first deck like the hanged men um, uh, where did Bimbo come from? Come, come with us in Italy um, why are there Kabbal- Kabbalistic emblems in there. Um, where do they come from? So, why do these images appear? Uh, are they mythical archetypes from Europe? Was he a member of a magical organization? We don't know. Um, or the Visconti magicians? Were they members of a uh, Hermetic tradition? Very likely, when you consider their dabbling in uh, the politics and the religious uh, uh, polemics of their time. It was much later when the, the, these cards were used for fortune-telling, much later, by the way. Uh, there, there are legends that the tarot go back to Egypt, that they go back to uh, ancient traditions and stuff, but we know that playing cards weren't invented until sometime in the 15th century but we don't know when the symbols came into being we ju- we just don't now today most people see the tarot as a means of fortune telling or divination um but we know less historically about this aspect of the cards than any other um if we go by the you know historically the comparatively few historical references to divination as opposed to gambling um the practice didn't become common until some time after the introduction of the cards themselves. Um, individuals developed the concept. Um, the earliest written uh, references are individual interpretations. Um, and it looks like the, uh, the Romani took, took it from these uh, earlier written descriptions. Uh, people used to believe that the Romani themselves brought the cards from Egypt but the fact is the Romani probably came from India, and they arrived in Spain a good hundred years after the tarot cards are introduced in Italy and France. So we know we know that the Romani didn't invent the tarot cards. In fact, we know where the tarot cards come from. We just don't know who, who began reading the fortunes with them first. And very likely <clears throat> it were the fortune tellers, tellers who already lived in um, Italy. So – that's where we begin. If we, if we begin with these archetypes, we understand that the fool, la foe, la foe, the f- fool, is probably where we should start our discussion. And if we start with a discussion of the fool, we uh, first of all have to uh, understand why the fool has the number zero. Why not number one? And is number zero the beginning or the end? And what does the zero represent? Well, isn't it interesting? Because the trumps are numbered, uh, you know, as we know, one through 21. And then we have zero, the fool. Um, Well, zero can be all or nothing. And we start... At nothing, or zero can be every number. The sum of every number can be infinity. So does the fool represent nothing, or does it represent everything? Um, In Arabic numerals, uh, zero is drawn like an egg. It's the source of all creation. Sometimes it's a dot like the uh, the primal beginning the the uh, singularity the big bang zero is sometimes the beginning of the sequence of the major arcana and sometimes it's put at the end sometimes both it's a big wheel you put it in a big circle so where is the fool you know where where does he or is he not part at all? If you divide the major arcana into sections, 21, 1 through 21, it divides very neatly into three groups of seven. And these three groups of seven, as we'll see, are quite neatly uh, divided into into sections. If you add the uh, back in, you have uh, tw- 22, which... Uh, um, it doesn't divide very neatly into anything. So the fool is often left out. Um, and what does the fool represent? Well, a lot of people will l- l- read the fool and interpret it and say, well, this is a bad decision. You're about to be foolish. But I will tell you that, uh, traditionally and mythically, um, that's not what the fool represents. Uh, the fool usually represents, uh, a person who has voluntarily moved away from society in search of enlightenment. If you look at uh, fools in literature, um, for instance, uh, the legend of Parsifal. Parsifal is um, um, the perfect fool, and he he's the one who redeems the Holy Grail and he's considered a fool he's considered an idiot by those more sophisticated but he's the one who achieves the quest of the grail the um uh this is the per- uh, this is the person who moves away from society and lives in a cave uh usually dressed as a beggar in search of enlightenment these are the the people who everybody else thinks are crazy. These are what these are the people who Maslow said are other directed. They're not after money. They're not after prestige. They're not after fame and glory. They follow the spiritual path. In other words, they're us. They're the psychics and the spiritual people of the world. They're the ones that, other, that normal people um, laugh at, but they're the wise people. The fool is also the trickster. Now, if we look at the card, especially the Pamela Smith card, we see a young man. He's about to walk off the firm cliff into the abyss. He's about to step off the uh, firmness of the material world into the spiritual world. He's Alice going down the rabbit hole. He's the uh, shaman entering the dark cave, about to go into the darkness in search of... um, whatever it is he's about to go in search of, the unknown. He's leaving the known into the unknown. And a labyrinth, you know, he's Perseus going into the labyrinth. Um, whichever way you choose, usually there, there's a bunch of people saying, you're an idiot to do that. Don't go in that labyrinth and Minotaur will kill you. Don't go in that cave. There's something in there. There's a there's a ferocious creature, Grendel. Don't go in there, uh, Beowulf. Don't go in there. Grendel is in there. So usually going into the abyss, going into the darkness, is considered a very foolish act. But the hero does it and comes out with a prize. So here's our, our young man about to step off the cliff into the abyss. He's about to drop the rose onto the ground. He's kissed the rose goodbye. The rose is usually a sign of passion. This is white, so it's purity. It's a pure love. He's about to let it go. He's about to drop it on the ground. He's also carrying his baggage, and we know this is his baggage. This is his experience. He's carrying it behind him. He's about to leave it behind. We, we get the sense he's, a, he's barely holding that stick. We get the sense he's about to drop that too. Your past doesn't help you. When you're about to step into the abyss, you got to leave your baggage behind. Interestingly enough, on this card, we have uh, the eagle uh, on his baggage, and we also have the scorpion. So your experiences can either uh, help elevate you, and they can also sting you. It's also the sign of Scorpio. Um, it was one that's pointed out to me, so that the base desires associated with Scorpio, Scorpio Um, is in direct uh, opposition to the higher um, uh, aspirations of the eagle. But also, the eagle can sometimes lift the uh, base desires of Scorpio into something higher. He's about to leave that. Now, the dog is barking at him. Now, is this dog warning him not to jump? Or is the dog happy for him that he's about to go into something glorious? Uh, And the Pamela Smith... Drawing. The dog looks happy to me looks like he's he's playing and gambling and uh frolicking maybe he's about to join his master on this journey uh, It's a white dog I think this is a spirit dog. I think this is his spirit guide <clears throat> and this is how I interpret it that's that's not a dog of this world that's a spirit guide accompanying him into his leap of faith into the abyss now what does uh, what do we see in myth about the fool? The fool is usually uh, the one person who tells the king the truth. We see this in King Lear, the Shakespearean play King Lear. Everybody's lying to the king, but the jester is telling the king the truth. In a lot of literature, this is what we see. The, the, The fool is the person who knows what's going on. He knows everything about court politics, about human nature, and everybody else we see are victims of fate, and the fool is the only one who has disassociated himself from the rules of society, stands on the outside looking in, and is free from social rules and even from fate and karma. So in this sense, the fool is also the trickster. The fool represents the trickster. Some people think the magician is the trickster. But no, we're not talking about in the magician card, number one, he's not the illusionist. He's not the David Blaine, David Copperfield. That magician is Dumbledore. This is the one who actually wields real magic. This is not an illusionist. We cannot take that archetype and bring him into the present. We can't say this is the illusionist. If there's an illusionist in the deck, it's – well, we'll talk about that later, but the fool is the trickster, and – Civilization tries to impose order on everybody. The trickster thumbs his nose at these rules of order. So these tricksters find ways to avoid authority and uh, show us who the fool really is. So the trickster use their wits rather than strength to accomplish the goals. And often the tricksters goad the hero into higher action. So um, since tricksters can come in any shape or form, often they can be human, but they can also be magical creatures or animals. So here we see the trickster in two forms on the fool card. We see the young man, but we also see the dog. Because the dog is encouraging the young man, and of course the uh, the tricksters are shapeshifters, and so usually if the tricksters don't have magic to lean on, they'll have uh, skilled at uh, at uh, at talk, and um, the. Um, The idea of the trickster as a, um, um, archetype is in every culture. In Chinese culture, we have the monkey king. And, um, the monkey king was incredibly intelligent. Um, in Greek culture, Hermes. And Hermes was even shown as a young man. And, um. um, and Hermes was uh, very mischievous, and he uh, he was known uh, even though he was tricky, and even though he was mischievous, he was he also at one point became the diplomat of the gods. He was the diplomat and messenger. In uh, in Norse culture, uh, Loki was the trickster, and even though he was a troublemaker, again he was the messenger. Of the gods, and he also uh got them out of trouble many times. He was very difficult to know what side he was on. was he a good guy or a bad guy and that's one thing about the trickster now in African culture, there's a fellow named uh, Anansi who's a trickster uh, and he he's a spider, and in Native American culture, there's a lot of tricksters uh, most famous is coyote and um uh, um, uh, he seems to be a very laid back fellow, not taking many things, uh, um, seriously. And, um, uh, he's the one that brought fire to the world. And, um, oh my goodness, there's so many different tricksters. Um, uh, you know, uh, rabbit is a trickster in Native American culture, which led to the tales of rare rabbit. Um, and we have all kinds of uh, tricksters you see in uh, modern stories. If you look at movies, you'll see the trickster Bugs Bunny is probably our most famous contemporary trickster in Alice in Wonderland. Um, in the Harry Potter movies, who's the trickster? Would you say it's the twins, Fred and George? Wouldn't you say they're the tricksters? Um, so we find these uh, the, this uh, trickster image everywhere. So uh, the fool in the uh, tarot deck represents the uh, the archetype of the enlightened trickster, the person who is moved outside of society for the sake of enlightenment. We have we have uh, Milarepa. We have Nagarjuna. We even have Buddha and Jesus represented in the fool. And uh, do you see evidence sometimes? Read read the New Testament and see if there were times when Jesus played the role of trickster. Uh, In Buddhism, there's a concept called uh, skillful means, where the teacher sometimes tricks the student to help them on the road of enlightenment. It's a very interesting concept. So these are some of the things that we see in the fool, not that the idea that this is you're about to do something foolish, although it can, it can sometimes mean that, because if a person is not ready to step off the material world into the spiritual world, that is hasty, that is hasty, it's very hasty. Sometimes you have to be on solid ground. If you're making a decision, sometimes stepping off solid ground into the world of spirit, not the thing to do in this particular situation, right? Which is what the fool means reverse. To the fool reverse, it means state, keep your feet on the ground, keep your head out of the clouds, keep your feet on the ground, right? I said I wasn't going to do interpretation, but that that's what we look at. Um, uh, a reverse card's meaning is a matter of uh, some discussion, too. Some people say it's it's exactly opposite. I think that's a little uh, simplistic. What, what I believe it means, if the card is an archetype, if it's an actual pure archetype, then to me, if the card is standing on its head, then th- that means that archetypal energy is blocked. The archetype is blocked. So, if the fool represents Stepping outside society's rules. And it's going to be situational depending on what cards are around it, since the fool can mean a lot of things. Sometimes the fool will mean uh, trickster energy, right? Merlin. Um, Like, is Merlin a magician or is Merlin a trickster? A lot of times he'd show up, he'd shift shapes and show up and trick King Arthur. And when I've studied... Um, I have lots and lots of uh, literature on King Arthur. I was fascinated with it, and I'm thinking in the in the in terms of the hero's journey, was Merlin a trickster or was Merlin a magician? And Merlin is more of a trickster than a magician. He's more of an elemental force in the form of trickster than he was the magician, the sorcerer image. And uh, if you if you read the don't go by the movies, but if you go by the uh, by the literature of King Arthur, you'll see that Merlin was more of a trickster than a magician, and his own tricks backfired on him at one time. Um, so we we also see in the fool the idea of Merlin. Merlin does um, come upon the idea of a magi- of a of a uh, trickster, even though people call Merlin the magician. I believe he was a trickster. Uh, playing the role of a magician. That was part of his uh, layer of deception. And um, sometimes these archetypes are hard to pin down. They're hard to pin down. That's part of the trickster. He's hard to pin down. So when we um, come back next week, we're going to go on to uh, Trump 1, the magician. And I believe this is why... the. They're, they're together we will find as we go from trump to trump they they tend to morph one into the other many times as we go from the fool to the magician to the high priestess which used to be the papus the the pope the popus the lady pope we'll we'll see this sort of uh, transmogrification many times I really wanted to talk about the lady Pope today. We'll talk about her either next week or week after next. We're going to take this down to a, uh, a close and I hope you're finding this interesting. We'll be a little bit more, um, together next week. Um, Hopefully, Blog Talk Radio won't be arm-wrestling me tonight as I uh, archive this episode, and hopefully it won't be arm-wrestling me at all next week. Mercury retrograde will be uh, winding down, hopefully. Uh, oh gosh, it's not until the end of the month, is We've got plenty of retrograde left. Let's see what we have head, heading up next week. Let's do a little uh, station identification to head us out, and then I'll come right back. Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurer Manali. Sundays, three to four thirty. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John Saint Germain. Tuesdays, five to six. Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse. Fridays, four to five. And The Witch, The Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, six to seven. All times specific, Add three hours for Eastern. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I guess I'd like to point out a few more things about The Fool. Um, We talked about how the archetype of The Fool persists in modern literature. Let's reflect in the Batman mythos, and we think about the Joker. Uh, the Joker is a good example of the of the fool trickster image. He has no past. In, in every iteration of the Joker, even in the movies, there's there's no past. There's no history. They can never find out who he was, who he is. Uh, occasionally, they put some backstory to the Joker in some of the uh, comic book iterations of him, which I think is a mistake. And usually they correct that mistake. Whenever they try to put a backstory to the Joker, it, um it's a bit of a mistake. They did it in a couple of the movies, and I thought, no, don't. You shouldn't do that. But usually the Joker has no past. You never see him without the, the makeup. And uh, he is a, a direct descendant of uh, the Fool, the original Fool of uh, of the Tyrochi. And uh, the uh, Batman represents society, even though he is an outlier of society. the rules of society, Joker represents the uh, – Rebellion against society, right? And uh, um, uh, Joker is more insane than criminal, and the rules and it, the rules are clear. I mean, the lesson's clear, right? Don't rebel against society, or this vengeful figure will descend upon you and then <laughs> beat you to pulp and throw you into the insane asylum. So the fool is the other. The fool is the other, prodding us from our uh, restriction with his tricks and his disguises and his um, jokes and his uh, sometimes shocking us out of our complacency and when it turns up in a reading sometimes that's what he's saying don't take life so seriously try something different Uh, get out of your rut we'll come back next week with more discussion you know the reverend loves you see you then